Today on Ag News Daily. I just see this whole opportunity for farmers to tell their story better from an environmental standpoint. I see the opportunity there just really expanding where that environmental story is driving the ability to get paid. Listeners, first of June. Ag News Daily Podcast, Tanner and Delaney here, both getting rained on as we record. I think a very welcomed rain, much more than what we got over the weekend. Right, Delaney? Yes, I think a lot of farmers are starting to need that rainfall again after we've started to see the crop emerging here across most of the Midwest. Areas are getting a little dry again, Tanner, so at least central Iowa is going to get a good rainfall here, but sounds like folks outside of just central Iowa could certainly use it. Yeah, it's interesting. We see headlines about flash droughts, which uh, is interesting because you don't think of drought sneaking up on you. We have flash flood warnings and watches still in uh, parts of Oklahoma, Texas, Panhandles, eastern New Mexico due to the ongoing thunderstorms in those areas. Amarillo, Texas woke up to four inches of rain and they are looking at an additional three to five inches of precipitation. We're also looking at three to five inches that fell upstream from the Palo Duro Canyon, leaving flash flood warnings for everybody south of them. We're looking at uh, weather moving across the Northwest, but it's been interesting to watch social media as well. We posted on uh, the Farm for Profit Twitter account asking how planting went and what current weather conditions are. And it is, it's across the board from those that are too dry to those that went from dry to floods. Uh, we had a good friend out in Colorado that showed the difference of 30 minutes in his field was planting with dust kicking up behind the planter. And when he flashed back his camera, there was water standing in the field. So uh, a lot of varying weather throughout the U.S. There certainly is. And that, uh, as we know, certainly helped winter wheat conditions better just slightly on this week's report. But I know, Tanner, that those folks in particular could certainly use more rainfall as they head into not quite harvest season yet for winter wheat, but we're getting pretty close. Yeah, getting really close. I think there's quite a few that get to travel around uh, doing those harvest crews that are excited to get up and going. I'm going to jump into my first story here as far as financial impact to the ag industry. Interest rates are now causing grain elevators and merchandisers to have higher costs of carrying. So when you look at the cost of storing grain compared to last year, the corn cents per bushels is up 21%, which is 3.1 cents. When you look at soybeans, there's a 42% hike, 7.8 cents to carry a bushel per month, 5.2 cents per bushel of wheat. That is nearly half, again, higher than it was this time last year. Of course, this matters to our listeners, Delaney, because since interest rates have hiked for grain merchandisers, they're forecasting a 7.75% expansion in their basis. So as far as it goes for markets, we share an update every single week. Now some of these merchandisers are looking at expanding their margin for basis protection just due to the cost of storage. CoBank is the largest bank that finances cooperatives and grain merchandisers. And this is a report that comes from their source. So quite interesting there to see 
if the cost of carrying at every elevator is now 25 to 33% higher, but ultimately what impact that's going to have on basis for our listeners as they look to deliver grain? Well, Tanner, switching tracks here just a little bit, but still looking at farm profitability, according to DTN's retail fertilizer tracker for the fourth week of May, 2023, fertilizers started to shift tracks a little bit and we're mostly higher across the board. This is the first time since November of 2022 that fertilizers were higher in price compared to the month prior. Five of the eight major fertilizers are higher compared to last month, and only one fertilizer was substantially more expensive, which is again a 5% move or more. Urea was 5% higher compared to the month prior, And four other fertilizers were slightly more expensive looking back compared to last month. Three fertilizers were lower compared to last month. And anhydrous, the big winner here, 14% less expensive. So now we're starting to see a little bit of a mixed bag here for the fertilizer market. For a while there, we weren't on a nice steady decline. But I don't know, is the trend shifting back? That's the big question right now, Tanner. Yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on. Trends, though in the livestock are trending upward for producers themselves. Cattle margins topped $400 a head while the packers remained in the red. Cattle futures continue to hold significant market leverage for our listeners that feed and sell cattle for the week ending May 27th. Feed yards saw an average of their profits exceed $400 a head while packers were seeing a $5 per head loss. Cash cattle prices averaged 180.62, up an average of $3.26 per hundredweight. Wholesale beef prices were up about 21 cents per hundred to an average of 298.92. As you continue to watch where things are headed, cattle sold last week carried a total feed cost of 572 per head, up about $5. That's 17% higher then cattle sold the same time last week. The break-even for cattle that were sold to slaughter was at 152.01 compared to the projected break-even for feeder cattle purchased at 168.38. So certainly more expensive to feed a calf right now, but obviously the slaughter prices are what is holding up those margins. Feral to finish hog producers saw an average profits of $2.65 per head last week. That is uh, down just shy of $4 per head from the previous week. Pork producers pork producers saw profits of $80 per head the same time a year ago. So a much significant different approach than we were seeing a year ago. Pork packers lost 20 bucks a head this week, but is steady from the previous week. Last year, they were losing around $26 a head. So overall, the pork market seems to be coming back a little bit, but is far off from where it was last year, Delaney. Yeah, it certainly is. I've seen those headlines as well and talked to a few pork producers that are a little concerned about some of the tighter margins we've been having. But Tanner, this question definitely draws the bigger question, is the U.S. really low on old crop supplies? We get reports from Reuters that Brazil is expecting exporting a combined 120,000 metric tons of soybeans to buyers here in the United States. According to agency shipping data, dated May 26th, three vessels loaded with soybeans will leave the ports in northern Brazil between June 4th and June 11th. The data identifies the buyer as chicken producer Purdue Farms and global grains merchant 
ADM. Dana, the big question here is, is the soybean supply in the U.S. that tight that they cannot find the supply? Or is it simply Brazil's soybeans are at such a premium discount, it's still cheaper to ship it, pay for logistics, and bring it in from another country? But I know this is always a little bit of a tense subject when I've talked to farmers in the past when they ask, why are we importing crops and commodities from other countries when we produce it right here in the United States? Yeah, you're right. That's a discussion that comes up usually around the beef discussion, but uh, can apply to all commodities. We do know that tomorrow we've got a new jobs report coming out. And right now the Federal Reserve is accused of not understanding what the labor market feels like. Economists are forecasting a net gain of 190,000 jobs for Maine, according to the projections. While this would mark a significant decrease from April, but April's surprisingly strong report came in at 253,000 jobs added. It would land slightly above the average for the months of gains seen in a strong labor market. But economists are very quick to see the unemployment rate possibly tick back up. U.S. jobless rates have hovered at decade lows for more than a year. It's currently at 3.4%. Predictions are now seeing a potential for 3.5 to 3.6. However, this is still uh, pretty close to the 50-year low that was hit in January. Private sector employment continues to increase by uh, 278,000 jobs in May, according to the prediction coming out of the National Employment Report, frequently seen as a proxy to the government's official number. So that is significantly higher than the projected estimates of 190,000. We'll continue to watch to see how this comes out tomorrow and probably give our listeners an update again on Monday. However, we'll see where things come and what that has to do with the way traders are trading as we approach the debt ceiling deadline, as well as where the Fed will discuss in their future meetings the rest of the summer. Tanner, are you ready for an odd and kind of funny piece of news? Go right ahead. Okay, so this was on Farm Journal, agweb.com, posted yesterday afternoon, I believe. But it's a story about how monkeys got their history in U.S. agriculture. Uh, I don't know how the writer came up with the idea to even think about looking through this. But the backstory here is that in the late 1800s, a gentleman by the name of W.W. Magnum, who was a Delta cotton grower in Mississippi and the owner of Sharkey County Plantation, apparently was at some sort of event where they had monkeys doing performances at a local county fair. He had a light bulb moment at that time in 1896 and imported 50 monkeys to be trained to pick cotton during the fall harvest, Tanner. Interesting. That uh, is not at all where I expected you to go. (laughs) According to an old, old article, Magnum's cotton picking breakthrough spurred his intention to import another thousand monkeys to Mississippi, and he apparently started to campaign other farmers to follow suit. Uh, Obviously, we don't have monkeys picking cotton here today, so something obviously must have happened back in that era, but... It was apparently some big scam that just went on for years before finally it got weeded <laughs> out. I just thought this was super bizarre. The full story is on agweb.com. It's an interesting read, to say the least. 
I'm sure they pitched the monkeys as being extremely efficient. And then right. when they showed up and didn't <laughs> want to pick any cotton, everybody was severely disappointed. Last piece of news I've got here is the U.S. Department of Agriculture wants to hear from you, listeners. They're looking at possible changes to prevented planning crop insurance coverage. They have multiple in-person comment sessions scheduled throughout the summer. The USDA's Risk Management Agency, RMA, will be conducting those. The request for information can be written or if in-person if you attend those meetings. The period for data collection will remain open through September 1st. Prevented planting insurance can prove invaluable to an event that is extreme weather and the way it impacts your planting times and planting windows. The information on how to leave written comments in response to the USDA request can be found on the federal registered website. They're truly caring about the customers, the nation's agriculture producers, and they want to know what you have to say. It looks like for Iowa, Delaney, you can attend the meeting August 9th in Sutherland. Indiana is in uh, Dubai or Dubois, uh, however that's pronounced, on July 11th. The North Dakota meeting is August 8th in West Fargo. Uh, otherwise, we cover states, Texas, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, New Mexico, Michigan, Colorado, California, Arizona, and Arkansas. So among the topics the RMA wants to hear from farmers on, the harvest price option is another one they're looking for feedback on, but mainly focusing on prevented planting feedback. So there you go. This is your time to speak up. But that's the last I've got for headlines today. I think I'm out of headlines as well, Tanner, aside from chatting markets and actually looking at markets here today, things are finally having a little bit of a turnaround, Tanner, after we've seen lower prices earlier this holiday shortened week. July corn today up nine and three quarters cents in the overnight will open at 603 and three quarters. New crop corn added 11 and three quarters cents in the overnight to open this morning at 533 and a half. In the soybean pits here right at the open, the July contract added 22 and a half cents in the overnight to open at 13.22. New crop corn up 22 and a half cents at 11.68 and three quarters. July hard red winter wheat also had some positive momentum in the overnights here, adding 18 cents at 8.08 and a half. As we take a look at the livestock markets and where they closed yesterday, August live cattle added 50 cents, opening this morning at a buck 67, 67 and a half. August feeder cattle added a dollar 40 at 239.17. And July lean hogs added $3.80 to open here this morning at 83.32 and a half. Tanner, we have a couple of great conferences coming up here in the state of Iowa, and we are chatting about an, a very, very soon upcoming conference, the Top Soil Summit with Mitchell Fora. Well, for those of you looking for a cool event next week to stick around for here in Eastern Iowa, we've got the Topsoil Summit put on by the Continuum Ag team. And we're chatting today with Mitchell Hora, the founder of Continuum Ag, to talk about all things topsoil. Mitchell, it's been really fun over the last few years to watch the journey of Continuum Ag and now the Topsoil Tool. So super excited to chat more about the upcoming conference with you today. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, let me share the word here a little bit. This, I think this is our fifth year hosting this event. Um, we've gone through a little bit of a rebrand, calling it the Topsoil Summit rather than just 
the Continuum Ag Field Day. Um, but essentially, you know, just cranking things up a notch. Uh, to your point, Continuum Ag has been going through some changes. We've been really kind of hitting our stride, figuring out our role in this whole regenerative ag movement, um, continuing to add people and expand our, our business network. And we want to really continue to crank things up with our events that we're hosting. Uh, so going to be really putting that on display on Monday down here in Southeast Iowa. So Mitchell, for our listeners who don't know who you are, which is probably just a few of them, give us a little bit of background, who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, Mitchell Hora, seventh generation farmer uh, down here in Washington County. Uh, the family farm is just north of Washington, Ainsworth um, area. And uh, family uh, farm has been doing a lot of these soil health principles for uh, quite a while here now. Um, but in 2015, started Continuum Ag. In 2020, we launched a software called Topsoil, and we provide the digital roadmap for soil health success. So really helping to scale up the regenerative ag practice adoption. Uh, we're expanding our team. Uh, on Monday, we'll be announcing that uh, we've raised some money here recently and closed on, uh, did our initial closing of a Series A investment round, which is super exciting. We're launching a new, a new uh, product on Monday as well, our carbon intensity scoring. And uh, I just see this whole opportunity for farmers to tell their story better from an environmental standpoint. I see the opportunity there just really expanding where that environmental story is driving the ability to get paid. And uh, we wanna make sure the farmers get their equitable share and that farmers are in control of their data, managing their, their opportunity and uh, making sure that they've got the resources that they need to be successful in these new sustainability-focused initiatives. Mitchell, there was a lot of cool stuff to unpack there, but I want to go back to something you mentioned, the digital roadmap for soil health. What is that? So when I started the company and first started kind of chatting with you guys, I started it as a agronomy consulting company. We did soil sampling, especially the Haney soil health test. That was basically all we did. We started building a software then to deliver the recommendations and combine together soil health data with precision ag. We've been doing that since 2020 and that's very well established and we're helping farmers manage soil data and soil health data all over the country. Um, but what we've found is that we need to go beyond just the soil data, beyond just fertility management um, about a year ago, year and a half ago, we launched the Regen Roadmap, which is our subscription service to our platform where we provide farmers with a holistic recommendation to adopt conservation practices such as cover crops and reduced tillage. We help to manage environmental outcomes like carbon intensity scores and provide the agronomic support via our dealer network to make sure that farmers have the software and the tools that they need and also the service and agronomic support that they need to successfully implement regenerative ag and what we found is you know adopting some of these things can be challenging it's difficult it's new it can be kind of scary and uh and we've got our region roadmap um set up where we just help to make sure the farmers have the resources that they need to succeed and and uh, not hit the road bumps <laughs> that some of us hit 
um, as, as really early adopters of these practices. We had to learn the hard way. We want to make sure that farmers have, have uh, those successes and mitigate against the downfalls uh, and potential risks when changing farming practices. So I would assume then the event that you've got next week is an extension of what you just discussed and the, the services, products, and plans that you put together. Give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen next week. Yeah. So next week, though, is really just us hosting our network. And it's an educational event. It's not a sales event for Continuum Ag. This is uh, where corporates and farmers can come together to discuss their sustainability ambitions and what they need uh, from each other to be successful. So the morning portion of the event will feature uh, Rabo Research um, from Rabobank, ADM, Arva Intelligence, um, Eco Engineers. In the afternoon, we're featuring some farmers from here in Iowa. Uh, and then Jimmy Emons is coming from Oklahoma. Um, but spreading things out to look at new to regen farmers and, and then very experienced regenerative farmers and uh, really just making sure that it's an educational event for folks to come together and see where the opportunities lie to adopt regenerative principles and to improve family farm profitability. And Mitchell, you really have been, I would say, a founding father of regenerative ag space, but now the carbon space as well. When you look at questions that you get frequently from farmers. What do you think is their biggest question right now about either the regenerative space or the carbon space? And are you going to be tackling those topics next week at your conference? Yeah, definitely will be hitting on all that. You know, from the regenerative space, it's just, it boils down to two things. Um, it boils down to logistically, how do I do this? You know, what, what types of cover crops do I plant? What rate do I plant them at? How do I make it work into my system logistically? And also economics on the family farm. How do I make sure that I don't lose money? Changing these practices can cost some money. And are there cost share or carbon opportunities or other sustainability initiatives that can help me to um, drive additional revenue streams or be more profitable because of adopting these practices? And I think that is starting to... Uh, become more clear um starting to become more clear because of some of these initiatives that are uh, that are being built out in the carbon intensity space so um but then talking on the carbon side uh with carbon intensity and uh that that's essentially the measure of the carbon footprint of your production so instead of carbon offsetting where we are paying farmers for the change of practice like pay, you know, $10 an acre, $15 an acre to do cover crops and do no-till. Those are some of these carbon programs that have been rolled out so far that play in the voluntary markets and the offset space. What I'm seeing the opportunity emerging as is connecting your carbon footprint with your production as they go together into the supply chain. It's a scope three reduction initiative or kind of more so along the lines of carbon insetting where that low carbon production can follow the bushels through the supply chain. And uh, there's tax credits that are enabling this. There's low carbon fuel markets that are enabling this and other things that are emerging. That's what I'm really hot on. Um, I just see the thesis there of we need to be able to tell our story from a production and an environmental perspective and uh, farmers need to be compensated appropriately 
for the impact that they're having on the supply chain. And I think those that are familiar with you uh, agree that you do a good job of helping us tell our story as far as agriculture goes. And not to bounce around on topics, but at the end of the day, it looks like you're also going to tell agronomic stories by using soil pit demonstrations. For those listeners that don't know what that is, dive into that a little bit deeper. Yeah, so what we found is we, all this regenerative stuff, I'm a believer because I've seen it. I have seen it on our farm. Our our soils are really rocking and rolling. Our profitability over the last couple of years is way better than it has been in the decades previous to adopting these regenerative practices. And uh, it, things are just really functioning and really working. And we need, what we've learned over the past couple of years of having these events is we've got to make sure that folks can come out to the farm and see it. So the setup here on, on Monday's event uh, here, June 5th, is that starting at 9 a.m., uh, I think 8.30 or 9 a.m., we'll start at the Riverside Casino in their conference area. Uh, we'll be over at the casino indoors in the air conditioning until 3 p.m., and then we'll host a reception at the farm where, yeah, we're going to dig a hole out in our out in our field and uh, let people get down in there and see how the soil profiles are looking and see the structure, see water infiltration at work, and see that uh, the rooting systems that we've been able to build on our farm. We're also, we'll also have displays out there from Montag, KSIH, uh, and startup companies from the Ag Launch and Ag Ventures Alliance um, portfolio companies. So really excited to showcase innovation uh, and show people what we've been doing on our farm and how far this can really go in a in a very relative short amount of time. I feel like we are just getting our stuff going, continuing to learn and seeing amazing changes. We want to make sure that the farmers, the agronomists, the corporate companies that are coming, we want to make sure that everyone is able to get their hands on it and not just hear what we're saying and see it in a PowerPoint, but be able to get their hands dirty and smell that soil and f- and see those aggregates and feel that uh, that soil system, that's when the light bulb moments can really occur. Well, that sounds like an awesome event, Mitchell. And for those of our listeners who are still interested in coming, although I know it's just a few short days away, give us the details of where it is, when it is, and how they can register. Yeah, there's still space available. Um, we're we're shooting for, we'll have about 250 people coming is, is what we're aiming for. So a nice size event, um, but there's still space available. Go to our website, continuum.ag and check out our events page there. Um, you can check it out on my social media at Continuum Ag or, or find me at Mitchell Hora. Um, and then you can, you can walk in and register the day of as well. Um, it's a $25 um, you know, fee to help cover the cost of launch and the, the super nice venue and stuff. But um, walk-ins are, are absolutely welcome. It's at the Riverside uh, Casino in their conference center on the east side of the, of the venue. And uh, yeah, registration, I believe it's from 8 to 8.30 on Monday. Fantastic, Mitchell. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time as always. And again, it's really fun watching your journey. So thanks for continuing to share it with us and our listeners. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great to be on. And uh, 
yeah, exciting things happening. I think for all of agriculture, we're just, I'm just happy to be a little piece of it and uh, make sure that family farms are the ones that are ultimately the, the winners in all these initiatives. It's always fun to talk to Mitchell. Very well-spoken, very knowledgeable in his sector of agriculture. So thanks to him again for joining us. Listeners, thanks to you for listening. So uh, come back, check in with us again tomorrow. We'll have more great news for you. Right, Delaney? Absolutely. With that, Tanner, should we let the people go? Well, let's let them go.